Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Laura Curran on 77 WABC. Yes, I really, really, really don't like him. My little book is, in part, is an address, I hope it's got a general interest, but in part it's a reproach to the American left, to the American liberals, for falling for him and for defending him when... Apart from anything else, he is an extremely and always has been a very extremely conservative person politically, but also because of his, his corrupt and selfish and, I would say, um, mean, almost psychopathically deceitful tendencies. So that was the voice of Christopher Hitchens talking about Bill Clinton when he was plugging his book, called No One Left to Lie to, The Triangulations of William Jefferson Clinton. You may remember Christopher Hitchens. He was on Hardball. He was on TV. He did debates with Sean Hannity and Al Sharpton and everyone in between. Uh, uh, he was a, a really independent thinker, master debater, prolific writer, wrote for Vanity Fair, The Nation, wrote tons of books, prodigious drinker. <laughs> and he managed to offend just about everybody. Love debate. Uh, you can find his debates on YouTube, actually. Uh, always well prepared and always withering. Uh, he was actually hired by the Vatican to be a devil's advocate, which was a real thing. They've since, since done away with it when Mother Teresa was to be beatified. And they asked him, they actually contracted with him to give the devil's position. Why should she not be beatified? And the result was a really quite scathing book called Missionary Position, Mother Teresa in Theory and Practice. Perhaps not appropriate to talk about in Easter, but it, but it's even if you are a devout Catholic or a very religious person, I think it's just wor- worth reading as an intellectual exercise. Um, I find myself missing Christopher Hitchens a lot these days. He died at 62 of esophageal cancer. In 2011, so he would have been 74 this week. He's someone that I met when I was in high school. I guess he's about 20 years older. Was it would have been about 20 years older than me. Um, I met him when I was a teenager living in D.C. And my mom and her husband were in the same social circle as Christopher Hitchens, so he would come to our house for dinner parties and that sort of thing. And I have to confess, I had a little bit of a schoolgirl crush on him. He was a sort of a very charming combination of dissolute and smart, and funny, and fearless. Um, anyway, with all of this in mind, it is fitting that I bring in Alicia Maldonado. She is Communications Director for the Human Rights Foundation, uh, which is a nonpartisan nonprofit that promotes and protects human rights, focusing on people living in authoritarian regimes. And the reason I wanted to speak with Alicia uh, and, and her connection with Human Rights Foundation is that Christopher's politics evolved through his life. He started out as a young Marxist and ended his life basically defending the war in Iraq and endorsing George W. Bush's reelection. But there was an unchanging through line through his philosophy through the decades, and it was being against the totalitarian on the left and on the right. He wrote, the totalitarian to me is the enemy. 
the one that's absolute, the one that wants to con- the, who wants control over the inside of your head. Alicia, welcome to Cut to the Chase. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. So what is your interest uh, about Christopher Hitchens and, and any interactions you may have had with him? Well, I, I love the way you summed it up. Um, a, just, you know, incredibly erudite, charming, as you say. Um, British, I'm, I'm you know, British citizen as well, and so I have that kind of heart connection there, or, you know, home connection there. Mm. Um, but also as a journalist and a writer, you know, he just was inimitable, you know. Mm-hmm. The ability to to write so clearly is just the dream of any writer and, and any journalist. So I, of course, devoured everything that I could read of his when I was in college. Um, I didn't get to meet him, but that was not for the lack of trying. Mm-hmm. And I got his email, and I emailed him out of the blue, and I said, I'm a young journalist. I'm getting ready to graduate I would love to, I would, I want to meet you. I, and he was, I went to school in California at the time and he was um, doing some kind of teaching stand at Stanford, I believe. Mm. And so I said, I'm not far. And I've been practicing my wine drinking and reading and writing. So I'm ready to go. I've gotten up to a bottle. Let's go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, he had just been, he's flying out. And so um, back to the UK. So I missed him that time. And I think I'd emailed back and forth, maybe, two or three times trying to catch him and was always on the missing end. Uh, so I didn't get to meet him, but I did get to email him and I'll hold on to that. That's something. Oh, that's great. And you also are, you know, along with being communications director, Alicia Maldonado of the Human Rights Foundation, you're also a former journalist. So you were uh, associate or assist, was it assistant editorial page editor at the New York Post? Mm-hmm. Basically an editorial writer. Um, yeah, my whole career has been in journalism. I still consider myself a journalist. Uh, the work that I help, you know, are the folks that we at the HR, <laughs> HRF, sorry, I'm sounding very ineloquent um, today, not in honor of Hitchens at all. Um, You're doing great. Go ahead. Is just, you know, is still trying to get those arguments out there and um, fighting against the regimes that, you know, he so eloquently fought against, you know, I, I, he was one of the, most, the clearest voices against tyranny. And so, um, I still get to do that part and have a bunch of experts in, in different regions and different uh, fields who are all dedicated to writing that same thing. So um, in that way, we keep his spirit alive. He is someone who lost a lot of friends along the way. Um, you know, I'm acquaintances with someone who knew him for a very long time who said, you know, they fell out with him. They found him to be manipulative and, yes, very charming, but to the point where uh, – it, it almost seemed a little sociopathic. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I never saw that side of him. Uh, but one thing that's absolutely true, he wasn't concerned about making enemies if he felt that, mm. if he, if he believed enough in, in the point. And, and, and that's something that I, you know, that sort of brutal honesty is, something that I feel we're losing in our talking point world. And I would just love to know, I would love to hear his critique of Biden, of Donald Trump, of everything that's going on. And one thing he said about Trump, and this he said in 1999. 
so well before Trump ever, you know, became the, the political success that he has become. He wrote of Donald Trump in 1999. This is when Trump was expressing interest in running for president as the Reform Party candidate, you know, the Ross Perot party. Uh, and I thought, you know, it's so true how he captured Donald Trump. He wrote, quote, in many ways, he embodies his country because uh, because this election cycle is now so absurd and so much up for grabs that it is unwise to exclude anything, meaning Trump. Mm-hmm. He is a man who hates to be alone, who needs approval and reinforcement, who talks a better game than he plays, who is crude, hyperactive, emotional and optimistic. And that's kind of a perfect summary of this of this uh, <laughs> character, Donald Trump. Yeah, well, he was always sort of, you know, insightful that way. Um I think someone who's always watching and always thinking critically can kind of see see ahead in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. I I wish how many times over the years I've said, um, gosh, I wish I could hear what he would say to that right now. I wonder what kind of Sally would be there. But you know what? Also, he uh, as you say, he didn't kind of shirk behind his opinions. He let them he let them be known. Um, and I do think that that is kind of missing in the discourse today. And I also think that something that he did was invite being challenged. He invited his views oh, to be challenged. Oh, he loved it. He loved going into the lion's den. He relished and it. I just think that's so lost where it's like, yeah. if you think I'm wrong, come. you can come at me. But, it's not, but it wasn't necessarily said in a way where, let me call you an idiot or, you know, um, then you must yeah. be this, thing, you know, like the sort of kind of argument that we have today. In not a lot at of all. Ways. No. Where your opinion is discredited if you disagree with one side. Um, he had his position. He held on to it. He, you know, kind of the attitude of I, if I didn't believe it was right, I wouldn't hold the opinion. He also um, relished speaking about religion and uh, he would talk to priests. He would talk to rabbis, you know, Al Sharpton, you name it, everyone. So uh, I want to play a little bit of what he said about religion. And we're going to go to cut two and then we'll talk about it. God is man-made, and it was one of our biggest mistakes. How so? And that we've made a, we've made a self-inflicted wound for ourselves. We've, uh, we've told ourselves we wouldn't have morality if it wasn't for a celestial dictator who can convict us of thought crime, who knows what we're thinking even when we're asleep, and who doesn't leave off with us even when we're dead. In North Korea, you have to praise and thank the Lord and his son all the time. Uh, incessantly, but at least you can die and get out of North Korea, out of the religious and theocratic world. You can't escape. So that's when he's plugging his book. He's speaking to Chris Matthews there on Hardball. You may have recognized his voice. The book was called God is Not Great, How Religion Poisons Everything, and basically putting God in the position of a totalitarian dictator. And I, I don't want to offend people who are listening. It is Easter Sunday. It is Passover week. It's Ramadan. Uh, it's a very it's a very important and spiritual day. But I would encourage, even if you strongly disagree with this and this makes you really angry, read the book. Sharpen your own debating skills uh, instead of relying on being offended. Uh, how about, you know, the thing that that and that that Christopher Hitchens did was he knew the Bible inside and out. So he could out debate a lot of these folks, religious folks that he spoke to because he knew he pretty much had the whole thing memorized. And, you know, to me, this is a reminder Get into the debate. It's okay. We can disagree, uh, but it's, it's you know disagreement is nothing to be afraid of. Exactly. You know, I, I would say for myself, uh, his position on 
you know, faith in Christianity would be one that I disagreed with. But um, as you say, he knew what he was, at least his position, and he, and he knew the talking points of the other side better than the other side often did do. So... That's exactly you know. right. So I'm, I'm Laura Curran. I'm speaking with Alicia Maldonado. You're listening uh, to Cut to the Chase. And just a couple of other things. we got to wrap up in a second. But uh, he he really had uh, Vladimir Putin's number. He said this is, you know, obviously he died in 2011. So this is well before the uh, invasion of Ukraine. He said, quote, we will all live to regret Putin's revanchist mafia theocracy. So vengeful mafia theocracy. Well, yeah, mm. that was true. And I also wonder what he would have made of the toppling of statues of, say, Jefferson and Lincoln or renaming schools. Uh, I tend to think he was someone, you know, the other through line in his life was he became an American citizen in 2007. And a consistency was his commitment to enlightenment ideas, reason, secularism, pluralism. And he also said that, quote, those who view the history of America as a narrative of genocide and slavery – solely are hopelessly stuck on this reactionary position and that's these are issues that really resonate now and alicia maldonado i i wish he were around i don't know if it was the smoking and the drinking that did him in so young but but it gave a good light yes that's exactly right by the way he did say something interesting about he said i need the junky energy that scotch can provide and the intense short-term conversation that nicotine can help supply politically incorrect perhaps but hey that's how we felt. Hey, when I was at the Post, I wrote this piece in, um, about the love of smoking um, and how I wasn't going to quite give it up just yet. And I quote him there, uh, you know, as using, as I did in the piece, at least, um, cigarette smoking as a barometer for a good or bad time. I think you'd kind of subscribe to that. Or a drink. You're having a great conversation. requires two. Alicia Maldonado, I want to thank you so much and thank you for the good work that you are doing promoting and protecting human rights, especially under authoritarian regimes. And uh, I hope I don't offend Christopher Hitchens by saying God bless you and thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Take care. And thank you, listeners, for listening to Cut to the Chase, where the conversation is always robust and we're not afraid of anything. Take care.